Grace, mercy, and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. As I mentioned at the start of the service, our new sermon series is entitled Bridge Builders. And the focus in this sermon series is our ways to highlight the grace of our God, to highlight the love our Savior has for us in the way that we live our lives. The Bible will help us see ways that we can do that through the course of the next few weeks. And today we want to hear what the Apostle Paul has to say in Ephesians chapter 4 about forgiving others. I thought about that this week as I was thinking about the sermon introduction and I thought, you know, that idea of forgiving others sometimes doesn't come across the same way we would like it to. I'm going to guess that all of you have probably had a conversation or maybe even multiple conversations with people who didn't really have a great impression of Christians or Christianity or the church. Maybe they thought we had a bunch of rules that everybody has to follow and there isn't a whole lot of wiggle room and once you break those rules, you're kind of out, right? And whether those ideas are real or perceived, there are certainly things that we need to take note of as God's people and how we can be bridge builders rather than bridge burners. We don't want to close the door on people. We want the love of Jesus to shine through everything that we're doing. I suppose there's a temptation when, when there's criticism of the church from outside to sort of circle the wagons and just sort of hunker down in our own little group and just, just enjoy each other's company and not worry about anyone else. But that's not really what God wants us to do, is it? He wants us to make disciples of all nations. And so as we think about that truth, think of the opportunity you and I have in this world. People are searching. People are frustrated. They're angry. They're hurting. They're resentful. They're guilty. Whatever word you want to use. And there is only one cure for those things. It's the cure that the Bible has given to you and to me. It's Jesus, our Savior. And when we can build a bridge that shows someone God's love for them in Christ, that can make all the difference. So today, the Apostle Paul is going to help us in Ephesians chapter 4, understanding where forgiving others fits in this picture of building bridges. And as he describes to us this idea of building a bridge by forgiving others, he will tell us first to seek to build others up. And then secondly, to reflect Christ's love in our love for others. Listen again to chapter 4, verses 29 and 30. Paul writes this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. If you want to sometime this week, the letter to the Ephesians is six chapters long. It's fairly short. And it divides very nicely in half. The first three chapters are all about what Christ has done for us, how God has saved us through Jesus. You might remember that one of the more well-known verses, I bet there's some here that have even had to learn this, committed to memory at some point in their lives. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 say this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That's the first three chapters in a small little statement. God has done everything necessary to save us. 
And then starting in chapter 4, Paul has the so what of the book of Ephesians. What's our response to the grace of God? And the end part of chapter 4, which we're in, is all about our attitude and about what comes out of our mouths because of that attitude. As Paul starts the section, he talks about unwholesome talk. Is it fair for me to say that there isn't much that will do more damage among God's people than words that are spoken that hurt? Those words have a way of destroying the unity, the togetherness, the fellowship that God wants us to enjoy in the church. They are words that far too often tear down rather than build up. Do you know the sting of those words? I'm guessing you do. Someone has said something to you that makes you feel about this big, frustrates you, and maybe in anger you've lashed out and said something in return. It happens so easily, doesn't it? And you see, Paul's not so concerned about our feelings, although those get hurt too. He's far more concerned about the fact that our attitudes and our words can jeopardize our faith. Or maybe, one step further, they can jeopardize the faith of others. Can I tell you that one of the most heartbreaking things as a pastor is to know that, that people have left the church because of something that was said to them. Maybe it wasn't even meant to be something that was judgmental or hurtful, but they heard it that way and they don't ever want to come back. Words are powerful. And as if that isn't enough, Paul goes on to tell us that when we do that, when we have this unwholesome talk that comes out of our mouths, we are grieving the Holy Spirit. I'm pretty good at understanding that, that God is unhappy, that, he, that he's angry with sin. But I don't think too often about that shocking statement that Paul just made, that it actually makes God sad, that it grieves the Holy Spirit when we sin. The very Holy Spirit who sealed us who called us as God's own, who brought us faith in the Savior, who has set us aside for eternal life with him, that's the high calling that God has given to you and to me. And I know, I know how difficult it is to live up to what God has called us to do. But it hurts to understand that my words grieve the Holy Spirit. Paul's not quite done. One more verse, verse 31, he says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. If you've read the Apostle Paul's letters, you know that he likes to have lists like this. And there are times that I can read through some of those lists and at least a few of the words I can skip over and be like, okay, that's not me, I missed that one. Not this one. Isn't this one of those lists that it's pretty hard to escape? It's pretty hard to say, Yep, none of those things have ever happened to me. I'm good. We know, don't we? Paul just says, get rid of all bitterness. If there's a word that describes the world in which we live, maybe bitter is a good one. How resentful people are. How easy it is to get frustrated with other people. Whether it's just the people that are driving alongside you as you go down the road, or your coworkers, a fellow student, Maybe a professor who doesn't understand what's going on in your class. Maybe it's even your own family members that bring frustration and anger, bitterness and resentment. And how many times complaints find their way through these lips? 
And then what happens is when my heart is filled with bitterness and resentment, it often spills over into anger and rage, outbursts as I lash out at the people around me because I'm frustrated or unhappy. And then Paul takes it one step further. The next step is slander, where we seek to destroy someone else with our words because maybe that will make us feel a little bit better. At least if I can put somebody else down, then I will look a little bit better than they do. Finally, he just wraps it all up and Paul says, get rid of malice, evilness, any kind of evil intent. And we know, unfortunately, that's what lives in our hearts. It's why anger and bitterness and resentment come because that's who we are by nature. And only Jesus can change that. But then I thought one step further. I was trying to be truthful with myself. And I thought this. Being angry sometimes is kind of fun. It's kind of fun to have something that you can hold over somebody else. Something that you can take the moral high ground, that you can feel somehow superior to somebody else because at least I didn't do that. Right? But you know this too. Anger really only eats up the person who's controlled by it. Unless I actually act out on my anger, it's entirely possible that the people that I'm angry with don't even know that I'm angry. And so instead, it's inside of me. I heard a pastor once say, it's anger jail when you can't let go of something. You put yourself in a bind because you cannot get the anger out of your heart. It actually puts you in jail. And in the end, that's what divides God's people. It divides us when we can't get rid of the anger and bitterness and resentment. I had another pastor who talked about anger as part of all of the emotions that we have and he described it this way. He said, if you take a balloon and you say all of your emotions have to go into that balloon, your joy, your grief, your happiness, your anger, all of that has to go into one balloon. He said, Anger is one of those emotions that crowds everything else out. It fills that balloon so full that nothing else can get in there. And anger is one of those things that tends to cloud our vision. It, help, it, it makes us unaware, almost, of the love of our Savior and how to pass that on to others. And aren't you thankful that Paul didn't stop the text after verse 31? It would be sad if we all had to walk out of church right now. But listen to what he says. Listen to the answer to the anger that sometimes eats us up. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. That first word, be kind, the original word in the Greek, it's just hard to translate into English. There's not one English word that, that really covers what that word entails. It has kindness and goodness kind of all wrapped together. I suppose the best way to describe it is it's putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Of when you think about other people and want to treat them as they would treat you. Compassion is pretty much the same. It's that word that describes feeling deep down inside of us, having a heart for other people, wanting to walk in their shoes and understand exactly what they're going through. And all of those things, kindness, goodness, compassion, they tend to show themselves in our willingness to be forgiving to others. In our willingness to say, I forgive you because 
I am forgiven. Isn't that what Paul is saying? Just as in Christ, God has forgiven you. Wow, those are powerful words. And Jesus had a conversation with Peter after which he told the parable we read earlier in the gospel lesson. And I want you just to think about this a little bit because I think Peter's question is pretty amazing. He comes to Jesus and he wants to forgive. Peter's not trying to skirt around this idea of forgiveness. He actually throws out a number that I wonder if he thought was pretty generous. Lord, how many times should I forgive someone if they sin against me? Seven times? Can you picture this? Person does something to Peter, Peter forgives them. Again and again and again. Can I get to seven? Is that okay? Again, again, again. Seven times. Seven times the person sins against Peter and Peter finally says, Lord, is that enough? When I get to seven, is that enough? And then Jesus' answer comes. Not seven times, Peter. Seventy-seven times. And you understand Jesus' point. He's not asking Peter to keep score. He's not asking him to keep a tally and when you get to 77, then it's okay to not forgive. God wants Peter to be forgiving always. And us too. And it's why he tells the parable. I don't know how you feel about that parable of the unmerciful servant. I'm not a big fan because of course I see myself in the unmerciful servant. How many times in my life I've held a grudge against someone because I've forgotten of the huge debt of sin that has been forgiven me. And that's Jesus' point in the parable, isn't it? He's simply saying, look at what God was willing to forgive you. Look at what God did to make a payment for your sin to be canceled. The debt of your sin and mine is wiped out because the blood of Jesus was shed on a cross for you and me. And Jesus is saying, look at that. Let's put this in perspective. That gigantic, enormous debt that's been canceled, why do you have to hold a grudge against somebody for a much lesser offense? Why do you have to be angry with someone when God has forgiven you so much? You see, what God wants you and I to have is freedom. Yes, freedom, first of all, from sin. And we have that through Jesus. You don't have to fear any punishment for sin because it was already suffered by Jesus. But there's a second freedom that God wants you to have too. The freedom to let go. The freedom to let go of any grudges or anger or bitterness and know that you can simply put it in the hands of God who loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. I love how the Apostle Paul describes this so well in Romans chapter 12. He says this, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Some takeaways from the sermon today. Number one, the words we use can build bridges as we build each other up. As Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, it's almost as if he expected this. Because near the end of his first letter to the Thessalonians, he wrote this, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. The power of words is something that can build up and build bridges. Number two, God's love for us, shown in the forgiveness we have in Jesus, empowers us to forgive others. Paul wrote the same thing to the Colossians when he wrote this, 
bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Finally, number three, we have the freedom to forgive as Jesus does and build bridges to our Savior. Do you remember Jesus right before his crucifixion? May have even been laying on the wood, getting ready for nails to be hammered into his hands and feet. Do you remember what he said? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That's Jesus living for you. That's Jesus dying for you. So I have an assignment for you this week, an encouragement, that if you feel yourself angry, resentful, frustrated by something that's going on in your life, will you try to remind yourself of the cross? Will you think about the price that Jesus was willing to pay for you and let that huge debt that Jesus covered for you spill over into the way that you think and the way that you live? Just see. Just see what a difference God can make. And when we remember what Christ has done for us and then strive to reflect that love of Christ in our love for each other. I know what might happen. And you might even be thinking this right now. Well, if I'm always the one who's forgiving, then aren't people going to take advantage of me? What if I'm building a bridge to nowhere? What if it doesn't help and, and people just take advantage of me as a Christian? Maybe you think that forgiving others might look a little bit like this. Not sure what you're supposed to do with a bridge like that. You can't really go anywhere on it. You can't get to it. It seems kind of pointless, right? This is a real bridge. It's actually in a town, outside a town called Beale in Dunbar, Scotland. And this is what the bridge looks like about half the time. Maybe you feel that way with forgiveness too. Not building any bridges anywhere. But then when it's low tide, here's what that bridge looks like. And what it does is it connects the town of Beale to a beautiful beach on the bay across the bridge, across the river to get to that bay. And it's a very renowned spot for taking beautiful sunset pictures and it's just a spot where you can enjoy the beauty of God's creation. That bridge does actually go somewhere. And when we are willing to forgive others, it's a bridge. It's a bridge that we want to lead to the forgiveness that people have in their Savior Jesus, the beauty of that forgiveness. And then the beauty and joy of where that forgiveness leads to our eternity with our Lord forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.